Welcome to the Just Ingredients Podcast. I'm Cara Lynn, and here we talk all things nourishing to the mind, body, and soul. This is a place where you can find just good ingredients to life. The ingredients for pizza dough are pretty simple, right? So why is it that frozen pizzas are always filled with complicated ingredients like artificial flavors and artificial preservatives, modified starches, corn, rice, and soy? At Capello's, all of their pizzas are made using only simple, real food ingredients. Both their classic almond flour pizzas and their new low-carb pizzas are nutrient-dense, naturally gluten-free, and don't sacrifice flavor or texture. Capello's offers pizza everyone can enjoy and is perfect if you're trying to make healthier choices that don't compromise flavor. Capello's is one of my favorite healthier pizza swaps, and they'd love for you to try it. Take 20% off any pizza at capellos.com with code JUSTINGREDIENTS. And while you're there, enter their National Pizza Month contest for a chance to win a year's supply of pizza. That's capellos.com, C-A-P-P-E-L-L-O-S, and use code JUSTINGREDIENTS. As a holistic oral health educator, the founder of No Po Kids Dentistry, and the founder of Happy Floss, Dr. Stacy Whitman is on a mission to create a cavity-free world. With her extensive education in both conventional dentistry as well as functional health, Dr. Stacy is a trailblazer for holistic and preventative dentistry for both kids and adults. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have Dr. Stacy here. Like the bio said, she is in functional dentistry. And I am really excited to just ask you so many questions about functional dentistry and how that pertains to our health. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Carlin. I am so honored that you invited me on. I'm a big fan of your work and what you're doing for your community. Um, And I'm a big follower of yours too. So I really appreciate being here. Well, thank you so much. I actually really love following you. It's really fun to just see the dentistry side of things and how that pertains to our health. And so I've actually learned quite a bit from following you. So thanks for what you do as well. Absolutely. It's 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 a pleasure. I think people are becoming more and more aware of the importance of oral health to their overall health. And hopefully we can unpack more of that today. Yes, of course. Why don't you tell my listeners a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you got involved in functional dentistry? Yes, always a good question. So I uh, grew up in New England in Maine, and I was always interested in science and art, and but wasn't sure where, where to go with that. But at the age of 10, I suffered a very traumatic bicycle accident where I broke my jaw and I knocked some of my permanent teeth out. And that experience really set me on the path of being interested in dentistry and helping other people. So I went to a very traditional dental training program, as many of us do. And I do want to say, I think that's really critical to have that foundation in traditional dentistry. Um, I moved out west and practiced as a general dentist for many years. um, And I just wasn't feeling job satisfaction. Uh, My mother, very suddenly passed away of cancer. And that was very traumatic for me. But it did allow me uh, to take a moment to reset my personal health journey, and to try to live a cleaner, more holistic lifestyle, focus on preventative medicine, essentially. So as I was practicing my traditional dentistry, I realized 
I wasn't really being true to myself. You know, traditional dentistry very often focuses on end stage disease and more of a surgical model. You know, you get gum disease, you get periodontal disease, you get cavities. And so we address that really downstream health issue. Uh, And I really wanted to get more upstream. I really loved prevention and I love nutrition. And I realized quickly that a lot of these issues had a patient been properly educated and supported, they could have been avoided. So I thought to myself, well, geez, how can I get more upstream? And I thought, well, let's start at the very beginning and that's with pediatrics. So I went back to school and uh, to a two year hospital based board certified program. And I became a pediatric dentist. And once again, that was a very traditional program. And I graduated and I practiced very traditionally, except now in pediatrics, it's very fast paced. Um, It's kind of turn and burn. And really, I felt like I had little time to educate families on oral health and prevention. And as many people may know, it's not intuitive. There's a lot to learn. And, you know, if you do follow along with some Uh, more biological, functional dental accounts, you're probably learning a lot about how important oral health is and really how detailed and nuanced it is. So I decided, geez, I need to continue to redo this or else I'm not going to make it through my career. So I opened my own practice and it was was a slow transition, but I started to incorporate more functional and holistic practices into my office. And now we are a fully operational, functional pediatric dental office where we do focus on prevention, education, root cause of disease and issues, because my goal is if things go sideways, if a child does get cavities or gum disease or has some oral issue, I want to teach that family how, I want to teach them what went wrong, essentially, so that they can make little course corrections and prevent that from ever happening again. And then, of course, that is helping the entire family, siblings, friends, you know, word of mouth is powerful. Um, And I've never felt happier professionally or personally. And we see amazing changes in lifestyle and oral health in our patient population since I changed the way I practice. I absolutely love that you were so passionate about something and went to school about it, changed how you did your practice. I mean, I love that drive that you just wanted to be fulfilled in something that you were passionate about, and now you're helping others. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. Oh, for sure. I mean, I'll be honest, it was scary. Um, I was really concerned with what my colleagues would think. Um, And there is some degree of that still, but I think there is a movement even among dental providers who are realizing the way we've been practicing traditional dentistry, it really isn't working. Um, Most dentists right now are practicing almost as technicians. We're really mechanics of the mouth. And I do believe dentistry needs a reboot. We need to practice more like physicians of the mouth. We need to approach things from a medical model. That means getting more metrics more tests, you know, we can dive into more of the importance of the oral microbiome, knowing our patient's nutrition, uh, nutrient levels, you know, where are they deficient, any underlying inflammation, things of that nature, rather than just saying, you have a cavity, go to the front desk, schedule the appointment, come back, that drill, fill, bill model. It's really not improving patient outcomes or supporting patients for optimal health. I agree. So for my listeners, Is functional dentistry then the term that is used that a a dentist would look at your nutrition and find the root cause, things like that? 
Yeah, so functional dentistry really falls under the umbrella of functional medicine. And as of right now, there is not a training program like the Institute of Functional Medicine for dentistry. We're hoping to change that soon as more interest develops. But it's it's a little different, you know, patients here like holistic dentistry, biological dentistry, integrative dentistry, they're all under the same umbrella, which I consider functional dentistry. And that is definitely more in the middle approach to dentistry where you are using traditional methods, but you're looking deeper. And a lot of times that is doing laboratory testing. It also focuses a lot on airway and breathing and sleep health. Um, you're just looking at the patient as a whole human and not compartmentalizing things like just the mouth, just the tooth. You know, it's it's really unfortunate that dentistry went one way and medicine went the other. And now we separate the body into all these different parts. But really, it's of course, it's all connected. If you have inflammation in the mouth, you're going to have inflammation in the body. If you have you know, bacterial dysbiosis in the mouth that is gonna influence other parts of your body. A cavity, while very common, uh, it's a sign that there is an imbalance in the body. And like, I really do think we need to take that, take a step back and really look at that and try to educate patients. But uh, yes, functional dentistry, it is doing more more testing. There's oral microbiome testings. We want to know micronutrient levels. We want to know vitamin D levels. What is your magnesium looking like? Um, you know, is there inflammation like CRP? It can get pretty nuanced. And, and so because of that, there does need to be additional training because we are not taught any of these things in a traditional dental setting. It's so amazing to me that it isn't taught, but I am fully aware that a lot of things aren't taught in medical school as well. And some of these things are newer things per se. So I do understand that. But moving on, I want to actually, because we could talk about that forever, but let's move on to some other things. You were talking about how the mouth and the whole body is all connected, that we have broken these down into different parts well, let's talk about how they are connected because on your site, you talk about the oral and gut health connection. And the very first time, this was a couple of years ago when I heard that, I was like, oh, that mm -hmm. makes sense. We've got like the brain gut connection. Why wouldn't we have the oral gut connection? So tell my listeners a little bit more about what that really is. Yes, absolutely. So this is fascinating to me, and it's really starting to explode in the research realm, which is the oral microbiome and its connection to every other part of the body, but particularly gut health. So we do know gut health is foundational for systemic health. You know, we have immune function here. It's where we uh, absorb our nutrients. I mean, it's, it's powerful, but how is our oral health and the oral microbiome affecting that? Well, you know, we're swallowing 2000 times a day. So we're swallowing bacteria down into our gut. So how is that impacting it? Is it beneficial bacteria? Is it pathogenic bacteria? You know, hormone regulation, inflammation. We also know that if we are in gut dysbiosis, we're probably not absorbing nutrients from our food optimally. And that can impact how your 
teeth develop. So a mom who's pregnant that might be vitamin D deficient, or she might have uh, undiagnosed celiac or Crohn's or some sort of, sort of uh, inflammatory response in her gut or gut dysbiosis or leaky gut. These are all the terms that we're, we're throwing around now uh, that, that her child may have issues with the dental development of their teeth. They might be under mineralized teeth, which might make them more susceptible to cavities. These things can also affect how the child's jaws and skeletal structure and airway structure is developing. Um, so it's really powerful. And there's also, you know, there's a mouth brain connection too. And so there's more connection to Alzheimer's and dementia and how pathogenic bacteria in the mouth are get, making their way to crossing our blood brain barrier and affecting brain health. And we are finding oral pathogens in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. So these bugs in our mouths, you know, we, we have healthy bacteria, but we also have pathogenic bacteria. When they get out of control, they can travel all over the body and impact other organ systems in the body, including the gut and the brain. Um, it can impact cardiovascular health, rheumatoid arthritis and just chronic inflammation. It can affect pregnancy and fertility, potentially lead to various cancers, autoimmune diseases, diabetes. We're learning and unpacking more and more about how important it is to have a balanced oral microbiome. That's fascinating. So I wanna to talk to you about having a balanced oral microbiome. How does someone know if they do have a balanced microbiome? Yeah, that's a great question. So essentially, do you have dental issues you know do you have cavities do you have gum disease or periodontal disease do you have chronically do you suffer from chronic dry mouth or halitosis which is bad breath do you have tonsil stones um, these are all signs that there is something awry in the mouth. You know, if you go into your dental checkups and every time you get a clean bill of health, your gums look healthy, your bone around your teeth look healthy, you're not getting cavities, you feel hydrated, you're probably in good shape. But if every time you go in and you feel like you're doing everything correctly, you know, you're doing the typical brushing and flossing, you're not drinking soda and eating candy bars, these type of things, but you still come out with cavity diagnoses, gum disease, you know, you still suffer from bad breath, um, that is very likely there is some sort of imbalance happening in your mouth. And so a cavity is just a sure sign that your gut is off or not necessarily? Not well, not necessarily your gut, but it is a sign that your oral microbiome is off. So it is a sign that we are in dysbiosis, that there is more pathogenic bacteria than beneficial bacteria and our mouths want to be in homeostasis so the the process of demineralization and remineralization of our teeth is very normal every time we eat uh, enzymes are released in our saliva to help break down our food and part of that process is the ph of our mouth drops and because of that um, it's more acidic and so we do have calcium and phosphorus and minerals pulled out of our teeth momentarily during this process um, as we're digesting our food. Now, if we allow time for remineralization to occur, and that is through our saliva generally, our saliva carries calcium and phosphorus, and it, it works in conjunction with beneficial bacteria in our mouth. So the beneficial bacteria, they're sort of the gatekeepers of the calcium and the phosphorus and the minerals, and they help bring those back into the teeth. So it's this constant process of demineralization and remineralization. This is very 
very normal and it happens every time we eat anytime we put anything in our mouth besides water this is happening the issue is when that is out of balance when there is more demineralization than remineralization and that can have to do with um that has a lot to do with the types of bacteria we have in our mouth and in what quantity so do we have more pathogenic bacteria and are they releasing more acid so pathogenic bacteria they metabolize fermentable carbohydrates and that isn't just soda and candy bars that many parents don't realize this but that includes crackers pretzels chips granola bars you know you could say like rice rice cakes, pastas, things of that nature. So Mm. that's what negative pathogenic bacteria like to metabolize. And when they do that, they release acid. So we try to teach the kids at my office, we don't wanna feed these bad bacteria too much. We really wanna feed our good bacteria because we want more good bacteria in our mouths, regulating that remineralization process, protecting our teeth and pushing those minerals back into our teeth rather than all those bad bacteria who are releasing acid and leaching more minerals out of our teeth. So we wanna feed our good guys, not our bad guys, is what I teach the children. And you feed your good guys through eat the rainbow food. So prebiotic fibers and things of that nature too. Um, And I don't believe in an all or none type of diet. Of course, we're all bio-individual and I'm not saying completely eliminate all fermentable carbohydrates, but if your child or you keep suffering from cavities, not only is it a sign of dysbiosis or this this imbalance in bacteria, but it could be something that's happening in your diet. And are you a big snacker or grazer? And do you eat maybe a lot of these ultra processed foods like crackers and pretzels and things like that? That is so interesting. I actually didn't realize that your teeth remineralized or demineralized on a daily basis like that. Yes, it's a natural and normal process. The The problem is we need to allow our mouth a chance to rest, just like we need to allow our guts a chance to rest. It's the same with your mouth. So this is the issue with a lot of these snack foods also is they are meant to be grazed upon. You know, you open that bag of potato chips, you can't just have a few. You keep going back to the bag because of the bliss point that those darn food scientists have perfected. And so you're just grazing and snacking on these foods all day, or you're getting the Frappuccino and you're just sipping on it all day. So you're just constantly feeding the pathogenic bacteria with fermentable carbohydrates. So they are constantly releasing acid. So your mouth is just in this acidic state. We really like to eat more on a schedule, ideally, every two hours, um, just so you're allowing your mouth and your saliva that opportunity to remineralize on its own. Yeah, that is so fascinating to me. So I'm curious about the food. You said the rainbow, eat the rainbow. But are there other concerns besides the crackers, things like that? Do you worry about pesticides, herbicides, GMOs? Oh, of course. I mean, it, it all of these things affect everything in the body, right? So if they're creating toxicity, if they're slowing down your detox pathways, if they're causing inflammation, it's gonna impact everything in the mouth. And the other thing to be aware of are just harsh chemicals in our oral healthcare products. You know, we, we start to speak more and more about cosmetics and makeups and shampoos and conditioners and being very cautious with the ingredients that are in those, but there isn't so much attention 
to what we're putting in our mouths. And there's a lot of emulsifiers and surfactants and PFAS, these forever chemicals in a lot of oral healthcare products. And what are they doing? They're essentially carpet bombing our oral microbiome. And it's sort of the whole germ theory, you know, that fear of all germs and all bacteria that that's really, we need to re-educate and change our thought process on this. We need to nourish our healthy microbes. We need to support them and feed them. We don't want to eliminate them because they do help in so many processes in our body. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm curious then about your thoughts on mouthwash because I've been hearing a lot about mouthwash and how it they can destroy the good bacteria in your mouth. Yeah, I give mouthwash a pretty hard thumbs down. <laughs> um, most mouthwashes are have very powerful alcohols and astringents and excessive essential oils, and they really are stripping your microbiome. They also, you know, are, it can affect your cardiovascular health. There's some research showing it can uh, increase, increase blood pressure and affect um, nitric oxide levels too, because there's bacteria in our mouth that are creating these molecules like nitric oxide, which is really important for cardiovascular health. So again, these microbes were learning more and more. I mean, there's 700 different species of bacteria in, in the oral microbiome that we know of. And so we're still trying to unpack and learn which each one, what every microbe does. What, why is it there? Is it doing nothing? Is it really serving a purpose? Um, or is it causing harm? And so this is where oral microbiome research is coming in. And, and we do oral microbiome testing at our office now for patients that are interested, but also children that are showing signs of this dysbiosis or um, impacted oral health, and we just can't get to the root cause. So this is another part of functional dentistry is having these metrics to actually know what microbes we're dealing with, because each different one you handle in a different way. Like some very virulent and harmful bacteria, they need antibiotic treatment. Um, as much as we don't want to do that, that's sometimes what we need to like just to, to shift the microbiome into a state of health. Oh, interesting. So there are actual tests to test the microbiome in the mouth to see like if there's too many bad bacteria yes. in the mouth. Yes. And then you can uh, categorize them too. You know, are there too many cavity causing bacteria? Are there too many gum disease causing bacteria? Are there too many bad breath causing bacteria? And then you can create a bio-individual treatment plan for your patient. Oh, that's really interesting. I want to actually look into that. Yeah. Okay, so back to cavities. I'm curious, are there vitamin deficiencies or nutrient deficiencies that could also cause these cavities? Yes, absolutely. So vitamin D is the, the star here. So we do see there's research to show that children who are at increased risk of cavities or that show severe early childhood cavities have vitamin D deficiency. And it's it's up to the research articles can show up to 50% of these kids. I suspect it's higher because they're looking at conventional metrics. You know, what is the average population's vitamin D level? We obviously in functional medicine want optimal levels, but vitamin D deficiency is a really big one. So I personally clinically am seeing more and more 
undermineralized or hypoplastic enamel in children. This means the moment their teeth come in, they're already susceptible and vulnerable because their enamel matrix didn't develop optimally. Mm. And it is hard to unpack the reasons why, but vitamin D deficiency in pregnancy certainly is one of those reasons. Um, and that could be that the mother had gut dysbiosis or a hard time absorbing vitamin D. Maybe she was truly deficient. Um, you know, stress, environmental factors can all play a role too. We also know that vitamin D works hand in hand with vitamin K too. So all these fat soluble vitamins are really essential for dental development and um, jaw structure, facial development as well. So what K2 does is it orchestrates and tells everyone what to do. So vitamin D3 and magnesium and calcium, K2 is the director and it really tells calcium where to go. And we want calcium to go into our teeth and into our bones and not into our arteries and our saliva. So this is another thing that if you get a lot of calculus or tartar, that, that really hard buildup on your teeth, it can be a sign that all of these all of these vitamins and these hormones they're they're not quite in balance and that you might actually be k2 deficient and the way to test that is to see what your osteocalcin levels are at you can't we can't test for k2 quite yet but if your osteocalcin um, which is part of the dental development calcium matrix process if it's really high that's a, there is a chance that your k2 is low so I do like patients to take a vitamin D3, K2, ideally if they need to supplement, but the best thing to do is of course, work with your doctor and get tested so you truly know what your levels are. We also know trace minerals, micronutrient deficiencies are really critical for dental development, facial, skeletal development as well. Um, pre and probiotics of course are critical because this is what's impacting those microbes that are influencing the, the demineralization, remineralization and immune health in our bodies as well. So interesting, especially about the tartar, because I have a friend who's a dental hygienist and she always talks about, oh, I can't stand the amount of tartar on people's teeth. So that's interesting that it could be related to a deficiency in vitamin it, K. It can be. It also can be related to mouth breathing. So this is a huge, I mean, I can go on a tangent on this right now too, but a huge part of functional dentistry is assessing how patients are breathing and what their airway health is looking like. So when you mouth breathe, which by the way, mouth breathing is a silent epidemic right now. Common is not normal, but a lot of people are mouth breathing or snoring or just having issues with how they breathe throughout the day and at night. But mouth breathing, it dries the mouth out. So you're losing all that healthy saliva that has all, has all that protective enzymes, that calcium, that phosphorus we spoke about. You're also shifting your oral microbiome. So as I mentioned, pathogenic bacteria, they love acid. So when you mouth breathe, the pH in your mouth drops. So it creates this perfect breeding ground for all these pathogenic bacteria mm. to really just have a party. So we see an increased risk of cavities in patients that mouth breathe, but also they do tend to get more tartar buildup. And that is again, because of some of these microbial shifts in the mouth. Oh, that's really interesting. So I'm just going to admit, I have a son and my husband who are terrible mouth breathers. And so yeah. I do know there are a lot of mouth breathers out there. So what do you recommend to them? Yeah, this is, it's, a, it's complicated to unpack, but I will give you my best advice. So first and foremost, early is ideal. So if you have a baby 
who is mouth breathing, try to work with an airway trained dentist or an IBCLC that can help you get to the underlying issue. Um, with infants, very often it's an undiagnosed tongue tie. It could be, you know, allergies, blocked sinuses, um, a jaw relationship issue, something of that nature. When we are at rest, our tongue should be lifted and suctioned up to the roof of our mouth. So it's kind of up and forward. And that allows our lips to seal and that promotes nasal breathing. Many of us, we, because of our jaw shape and structure, are, we either can't physically fit our tongue up there, which our palate is the house to our tongue. And so maybe it's too narrow or it's misshapen. So your tongue just can't physically even fit into the roof of your mouth. And that generally is an orthodontic issue or you have an undiagnosed tongue tie, so your tongue can't physically lift because it's restrained and stuck to the floor of your mouth. Um, it also could be more of like an ENT, ear, nose, and throat issue. So maybe you have a deviated septum, maybe you have enlarged tonsils. Um, as a child, maybe you have enlarged adenoids. So it could be food allergies, environmental allergies. Um, so it's a bit, it's quite a bit to unpack, you know, um, it can be a bad habit, like sometimes children will get colds, and so they'll mouth breathe, and that's typical if you have a stuffy nose, but then when the, the cold, the virus goes away, we should get back to nasal breathing. Well, at that point, many children have developed this mouth breathing habit, and so we need to support children, reminding them, you know, that we need to close our lips and breathe through our nose for optimal health. Um, if you breathe through your mouth, you do get about 20% less oxygen. So in children, that's a big deal because they're growing and developing, their brains are developing. And many of these kids with this chronic mouth breathing, snoring, they're grinding, they're breath holding at night. Maybe your child sounds like Darth Vader. Um, they're tossing and turning. They might be having night terrors. They might have prolonged bedwetting. These are all red flags for some sort of breathing dysfunction or potentially sleep disorder breathing or even sleep apnea. And many of these kids develop behavioral issues because of this chronic sleep deprivation and oxygen deprivation. And then they get pegged with ADHD and then they get put on medication. And really what it is, is an airway issue. So what I suggest for your husband and your son is to see an airway focused dentist or even maybe a myofunctional therapist that can help them get to the root cause of their issue. And as we age, it tends to be a few different things. It can be orthodontic, it can be um, functional or how the structures of the mouth are all working together. And that's where a myofunctional therapist would come in. Generally, you need to see an ENT as well. And then it can be structural, meaning orthodontic jaw relationship, or maybe there's a missed tongue tie. It's so fascinating to me that there can be so many reasons as to why we open our mouth when we sleep and then so many health issues that are related to it. It is really interesting. In fact, my son and husband are seeing an airway specialist and it is Great. because their airways are like so tiny. Like yes, yes. It's a, it really is an issue. I mean, when you start as a provider, when you start going into the airway realm, you just can't unsee it. It seems like, you know, 90% of patients have an airway issue. I think the, the data is actually showing 80%, but again, I suspect it's higher because I'll tell you the patients in my chair, it's pretty rare for me to see a perfectly balanced child these days with perfect occlusion, you know, perfect jaw shape, 
um, and normalize breathing too. So it's just something to put on your radar. I don't want to instill fear, but to me, you know, breathing and sleep is the foundation of health. All of these other things are just, they're up upstream a bit, but sorry, downstream, I guess you'd say, but you know, sleep and how you're breathing, oxygenation, this impacts your hormones, this impacts your gut health, your immune health, how you're absorbing your food, your mental health, you know, these are all factors that need to be um, considered. And I, on that caveat, I will say another part of functional dentistry where I do feel traditional dentistry is lacking is considering the emotional health of our patients. So when I am treatment planning, even for a child, I'm really looking at the emotional health of that family and that child. Did the parent suffer from a traumatic experience in dentistry as a child? Is there PTSD? You know, there's a lot of dental phobia out there. When I was a general dentist, this is part of the reason I I said to myself, I don't know if I can do this forever. There's so much trauma. There's so much fear. And you really are needing to sit down and work with that patient on an emotional level to make a connection before you even dive into the teeth and the dental health. And so in pediatric dentistry, I know what I do and how I support that child is going to impact their experience at the dentist for the rest of their lives. And so that is the very first thing that I consider. And because of that, you know, I may not do aggressive treatment plans like many people are doing these days. We might watch and wait. We might try to remineralize teeth or arrest cavities. Um, And we can get into that. I'm sure that's a topic people want to know about too. But to me, that is the most important part because again, we're all bio-individual. We all have our own experiences and this familial trauma of dental experiences. It's a real thing. And it is, um, I think, the most important thing. I love that you address the emotions because you're right. A lot of people hate going to the dentist because of the trauma behind it. So that's incredible that you do that. I do have a lot of questions for you. So first about mouth breathing. Mouth taping on social media is really popular these days. You see people doing it, people talking about it. Do you like the idea of mouth taping? Well, I personally mouth tape every night and I have for many years. I do love mouth taping. Mouth taping truly is a band-aid, pun intended, I suppose. But what it is doing is physically keeping your lips closed so that you nasal breathe until we can maybe unpack your underlying issues. So for me personally, my issues have nothing to do with anything in my sinuses or a deviated septum. My issues are more about my jaw relationship. And it has a lot to do with my bicycle trauma that I mentioned earlier. And I personally am not going to undergo extensive jaw surgery to correct this. So I mouth tape and I wear an aura ring. I track my sleep. I can see it has a profound impact metrically, but also how I feel when I wake up in the morning. I feel amazing. And this is because I'm not constantly waking up, essentially choking from my tongue falling back in my airway space or or lack of oxygenation and making sure I'm in my proper sleep cycles. And, And that is supported through nasal breathing. The caveat is you really, I really want everyone working with an airway focused dentist or an ENT or myofunctional therapist before you just jump into this. Because if you have true nasal obstruction, Mouth taping is not a great idea for you. You have to be able to physically 
and calmly be able to breathe through your nose. You know, if you start to breathe through your nose and feel panicked or this sympathetic overdrive, this fight or flight, you have something else that we need to unpack and you very likely need to see an ear, nose and throat doctor to, to look up your nose. Do you have a deviated septum? Do you have inflamed nasal turbinates? Do you have a really narrow palate? So your palate on um, the roof of your mouth is your palate and it sh it's essentially the floor of your nose. So if you have a very narrow or V-shaped palate, that means your sinuses, your, your nasal passages will be narrow also. So you're gonna have a really hard time getting air through there. So there is a lip seal test that you can do. Um, essentially, you want to make sure you can comfortably breathe through your nose for three to four minutes without feeling that, that anxiousness, that panic set in. We encourage patients maybe to put some mouth tape on just for 20 minutes while you're prepping dinner or while you're watching a movie. If you have that instinct to rip it off and, you know, take a breath, you're probably not ready to mouth tape. So you, I do recommend that you work under a provider. Many, many people ask about mouth taping children. There are protocols and they're working on research at the Breathe Institute, which is Dr. Shru Shizagi. He's an amazing ENT who's, who's really pioneering a lot of this research. But they've, they have found that suggestion is three years old and above, but absolutely you must be working and getting approval from your provider. So a lot of these children, we really wanna make sure they see an ear, nose and throat doctor before we go mouth taping the kids. I absolutely love how you just explained that because there's so many people on social media like, do it, do it. But I love that you say, I do it. I love it. But you need to make sure nothing is wrong, you know, in your body and that you can mouth tape and to work with a provider. So thank you very much for explaining it that way. Of course. So of be course. before we get back to cavities, one other question I get a lot. You talked about being tongue tied. Can adults get that reversed? Yeah, you can have a release. Yes, I just had mine done in March. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is never too late. Yeah, I had my tonsils taken out and my tongue released and it's minor sinus surgery. I had my tonsils taken out because they were chronically infected. That is the reason. They were so infected and scarred. I tried everything. I was injecting them with ozone. You got to trust me. I was working with functional medicine providers. We tried everything and I will tell you it was the best decision I ever made. But yes, you absolutely can have a tongue uh, release when you're an adult. You just need to make sure you're ready for it. And usually, again, that means you need to work with an ear, nose and throat doctor to make sure nothing got missed. And you need to work with a myofunctional therapist, which is a physical therapist to make sure that your muscles, your tongue, the structures are all ready for your surgery. So I like to explain it like if you went in for a knee surgery, your doctor usually has you do physical therapy before and after your surgery. It's the same with the tongue release. So you need to do some therapy before and after to make sure that everything's balance and that we're really getting tongue tone and muscle memory back. Um, so it can be a little more to unpack uh, as an adult. You know, you want to work with an airway focused dentist. You might need to do a sleep study. Again, we're really trying to figure out the, the root cause of why are you mouth breathing. Um, you need to maybe see an orthodontist and believe it or not, they're doing really, really cool expansion of people's palates and um, essentially changing facial shapes and 
in patients without surgery. So it's cool, like orthodontics is advancing so quickly. So I do encourage you to work with a really progressive orthodontist if you are an adult looking for this to save yourself some jaw surgery. Okay, really good to know. So now going back to the cavities. So as a parent, if you've got these little kids that are constantly getting cavities, you can say, well, it could be uh, nutrient deficiencies or trace mineral deficiencies like we talked about. It can be your oral microbiome is off. It mm-hmm. could be that it's sleep issues, sleep airway issues. Like mouth breathing. Mouth yeah. breathing. Is there anything else that they should be concerned about that yeah, could be sure. the root? I mean, hygiene is important, of course. So are you brushing their teeth? Even more importantly to me is flossing. Um, I cannot emphasize flossing enough. I think dentistry has gotten their messaging totally backwards. Everything's brush, brush, brush. You look at children's books about going to the dentist. It only talks about brushing. Flossing is hugely important, not only to prevent cavities between your teeth, hidden between, which is where we see them most of the time in children, but also for your gum health. And it's really those, it's gum health and bone health that is impacting our systemic health, those gum and bone microbes, if you will. So I really emphasize nightly flossing should be your goal. Um, I would like kids flossing as young as two, two and a half. As soon as those two-year-old molars come in and they're touching, we need to be flossing those back molars. Brushing is important too. What products are you using? You know, I have, I do see that some products, they're really harming a patient's oral health. And when they switch to a more natural, more non-toxic, less caustic, product, a lot of their dental issues dissipate. So hygiene is important, but of course, diet is huge too. And so we do really emphasize eating whole foods, trying to steer clear of those ultra processed foods. You know, if your child is a big cracker fiend, if they snack on these granola bars and fruit snacks and things, regularly, if they drink a lot of juice, even things like kombucha, anything that's changing the pH or that's really sticky, that's going to impact your your oral health as well. So for me as a functional dentist, I have this really extensive intake form where I'm trying to unpack all of the things. And sometimes it's more than just one thing. Sometimes it's a little bit of the hygiene. Sometimes the child's also mouth breathing. Um, maybe it's a few things with their diet. Maybe their teeth are under mineralized from nutritional deficiencies too. We do see an increase in cavities as well with patients with like celiac and Crohn's and, and just gut issues in general. Again, a lot of that has to do with nutrient absorption. And so their teeth just are not developing optimally and mineralized enough to fight off these acid attacks. So they're just more vulnerable. Right. Okay, so now let's talk about actually having the cavities because we've talked about like preventing what to look at, things like that. But once you have a cavity, can the parents do something at home to reverse it or you do have to get that cavity filled? Yeah, this question I love. Um, I've worked really hard for almost five years to create a remineralization protocol. And I'm working with bristle oral microbiome testing to really show metrics on this. I want to be very clear with this messaging, though. You, I really want you to make sure that you have a dentist check your teeth out or your child's teeth out before you really attempt these things at home. Because, yes, you can arrest, which means stop or reverse or remineralize smaller cavities. So smaller to me means they're generally still within the enamel, which is that outer layer of your tooth. Once they get in or through the next layer, 
or they start approaching the nerve or if they're in the nerve of the tooth, then we really do need to do general conventional dentistry. That at that point is considered more end stage disease. Um, now I have seen some pretty cool things happen in cavities that are maybe more medium sized, but it was under my direct supervision where I created a bio-individual plan for this child. Because again, you need to know why does your child have cavities? Is it their diet? Is it their hygiene? Is it gut issues? Is it how they're breathing? So, so I can share protocols that help arrest or remineralize, but until we fix that root cause, they may not work. You know, we really need to, to figure that out. You know, if, if you're taking vitamin D3, K2 and cod liver oil and flossing and using ozone, and I'll get to all of this. If you're doing all of these things, but your child's still mouth breathing, those cavities are probably just gonna grow. So general protocol, first and foremost, I need to figure out why is a child getting cavities. And, um, but part of our protocol is we do look at nutrition. We really talk about what we need to eliminate. We need to eliminate those ultra processed foods. Some kids I do really like to cut back on acidic foods, things like phytic acid, um, you know, citrus. And this isn't forever. This is just until we get into a state of harmony, if you will. Um, so we look at foods, we work on hygiene, products are very important too. Um, I really love hydroxyapatite as a remineralizing agent in toothpaste. Hydroxyapatite is the crystalline form of calcium and phosphorus that's in our enamel already. So it's a mineral-based toothpaste. It's safe to swallow. A baby can use it. A 120-year-old person can use it. The data is very solid in it, showing it works as well as fluoride. There's some studies to show it's outperforming fluoride. But so a remineralizer is critical. Um, if their gut health is not solid, we need to get that in check. So sometimes we work with naturopathic doctors. I do use ozone at my office. So we use ozone gas, and then the patients will often use ozonated oils at home. Um, ozone is used in dentistry to kill pathogenic bacteria essentially to simplify it just shifts the microbiome for patients um so you can do it um if you follow along on my you know social media accounts i'll I get into more details and i'm actually creating an entire course to help parents with this as well but for me i don't just want to go spouting information without the metrics to back it up which is why i'm doing these oral microbiome tests so we're taking you know a spit test to to assess the bacteria in the mouth before we're implementing the protocol and then retesting three months six months nine months a year later to see how that child's really shifted and if some of these protocols are really working um, but i will tell you after doing some of these things especially using ozone in my office we're seeing huge success i mean the cavities if a parent is on it and they're really committed and the child's committed because it, it's a family affair, right? If the family is committed, that we do see real, a lot of success in these kids. That's good to know. I do know there's been a lot of great studies about ozone. So the dentist yeah. we go to uses ozone too. And I love that. But it is a family affair because like you said, it takes the parents to feed the healthier foods and yeah. provide those foods and improve their gut and things like that. But I yeah. love that you talked about hydroxyapatite because that is a newer, trendier one on the market that a lot of people are talking about. And I love that it does help the teeth. So do you use that in your office and fluoride or you don't use fluoride in your office? Um, this is a great question. I 
currently still offer fluoride for parents that are interested. I leave it really up to the parent. If someone asks me, does my child need fluoride? I will only suggest it if a child is a high risk. And that's only because there is not a hydroxy appetite, very high dosage concentration varnish available yet to dentists. Hopefully that changes soon. Um, but no, here, here's the thing. We are, humans are not fluoride deficient. There is a lot of concern in the research with systemic fluoride. And that to me means mostly water fluoridation or prescriptions that your child may be given because you don't live in a fluoridated community. Um, I think at last count, it was 76 studies showing changes to brain development in children with increased systemic fluoride. So that is a big red flag for me. And as a scientific community, I believe there's a lot of dogma um, out there. And I just wish we could just take a moment and pause and and just look at the science and have an educated conversation about water fluoridation in particular. So it's showing um, increased uh, risk of like ADHD, lowered IQ in children with moms who were consuming fluoridated water or getting a lot of systemic fluoride during pregnancy or in infancy too, like with, with formulas. Are you mixing your formula with fluoridated water? That being said, there's not a lot of research on topical fluoride. We know it works. There's no argument to say that fluoride doesn't help um, with acid resistance or remineralized teeth. But the concern is, you know, anything we put in our mouth, it is absorbed through the oral mucosa. This is how we take certain medications. We, we know there's some absorption. There's not a lot of data right now to show us what the cumulative effect of that is. But fluoride is considered a neurotoxin. That's You can't debate that. That is what it is classified as. So I have a very hard time looking a parent in the eye who has concerns with these things and telling them, your child needs fluoride. Because if I do that, I'm choosing potentially their teeth over their brain health. And you know it can, it can affect thyroid. I mean, fluoride accumulation can affect many things. And that's a whole other podcast. So that being said, we do focus a lot more on hydroxyapatite. I feel more comfortable with it. That is what my family uses. That is what I use. I see clinically how amazing it is. I see the benefits of it. Many children who come in to see me on fluoridated toothpaste, we make some changes and they switch to a hydroxyapatite toothpaste. The parents report, brighter teeth, less plaque buildup, you know, de decreased demineralization. And the cool thing with hydroxyapatite, it's newer in the US, but it's been around since the 1970s. So it's actually NASA that first introduced it. So you know there's a lot of science there if NASA was introducing it to in their space program. From there, Japan, Italy, they really jumped on board and many toothpastes have been hydroxyapatite focused in those countries for decades and decades and decades. So there's a lot of research, but it's just very newer. It's newer to the US. And the US is a very fluoride happy country. If you go to other countries, this just isn't a debate. It's really interesting. I had a father from Switzerland. He came in a two, couple weeks ago and we just had this heart to heart and honestly, his level of education as a layperson about fluoride was far exceeding many of the co my colleagues that I speak to. And he just said, "Well, our government, we've we've taken this out of our water, you know, decades ago, and no one uses fluoride toothpaste in Switzerland anymore. Why is it such a big thing in the United States still?" Um, so, like the UK, it seems to be a little bit ahead of us 
in that in that regard too. But I do think it's a personal preference. I would say if you choose to use topical fluoride, just make sure your child's spitting. I just don't want them swallowing a lot of it. And just try to use a very small amount on your tooth on your toothbrush. You don't need a lot, but but I would be open minded to looking into hydroxyapatite too. So if you don't want them swallowing it, then I am assuming that you tell people to filter their water that have fluorinated water. Oh my goodness, absolutely yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's what that's what I assumed. But the chlorine and the bromine, I mean, all of that. Yes, I'm a big fan of filtered water. Okay, so if. If mom is listening to this podcast and feeling really overwhelmed, like, oh my goodness, my kid gets cavities all the time, where do you suggest she starts? Is it with the food? Is it with supplements? Mm -hmm. What would be your advice? That's such a good question. I mean, go through the checklist. So what is your diet like? Are you eating, is your child really eating a lot of ultra processed food? So maybe make even a food journal because sometimes we're not even aware of how much sugar flowers, like these processed foods that our child is taking in. Watch them breathing. Are they mouth breathing? Are you flossing every night? I mean, many, many children, they get these in between their molar hidden cavities and the parents do say, gosh, yeah, we just never floss. I really want to change that. I want flossing to be the most important thing you do. I want patients flossing first and then brushing. So it's that mindset shift. I like all my patients really, well, first, I, I perfect world, I like to know people's levels. So what is your vitamin D level? Now that can be hard with children because, you know, do you do a finger prick test or do you do a blood draw? Um, that can be hard. But if let's say we know their vitamin D level, you know, get them outside in the sun more, but even then sometimes that's not enough. And so supporting them with nutrient dense foods, that are very high in vitamin D, but also maybe considering a D3, K2 supplement. And I really like patients on a magnesium supplement too, because we know our soil is so depleted of magnesium that even if you eat the cleanest diet with all this organic food, you're very likely magnesium deficient. So I kind of across the board, like a D3, K2 and magnesium supplement, but Ultimately, you know, what I suggest is working with a dentist that resonates with you. They don't necessarily have to consider themselves functional or holistic, but someone that will sit with you and take the time to help figure out the root cause of your child's issue. So many dental offices, the dentist comes in and especially pediatrics, and you see them for literally two minutes. They're in and out. They say something to their team member and they're out the door off to the next exam. And that maybe isn't a good fit. Like I would try to find an office that has longer treatment times where you get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, either with a very well-trained auxiliary team member or with the dentist too, that can really help you, um, help guide you. Okay. That, those are good little tips for all the moms, parents listening to this. So yeah, one don't panic. Please don't panic. Take a deep breath. DM me on social media. I'm happy to help or offer advice and follow me because I do try to um, educate ways to prevent. I really do. And to support families because I know it's so overwhelming. There's just so much to think about as a parent. There is. So I have one last question for you, but now I'm almost thinking we could do a whole podcast on this question I'm going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so if people are dealing with health issues with themselves or their kids, should they look at the mouth as one of maybe the root causes of their health issues? Absolutely. Yes. So this is where medicine and dentistry have room for improvement. 
So to the credit of functional medicine, I will say most providers are more aware of the importance of oral health. But I will say, having sat through IFM courses and training, I'm hoping to get certified actually this fall at the Institute of Functional Medicine, there's room for improvement. You know, we can work so much on improving our gut health and, and taking all these supplements and doing all these things, and yet no one's really asked you or looked in your mouth. So do you have gum disease? Do you have periodontal disease? Do you have any autoimmune diseases that could be coming from these imbalances? Do you have cavities? Are you mouth breathing? All of these things are hugely important, but more also it's the materials. Do you have a lot of alloy mercury fillings? Do you have a lot of different metals in the mouth that can create a lot of conductivity, galvanic um, forces in the mouth that can affect issues too? Um, and do you have root canals that are failing, that are causing issues? And again, this is a whole other subject probably. I will quickly say, I do not feel every root canal is terrible, is toxic. I do not feel every patient needs their root canals removed. I will say, most root canals are not done optimally and many, many of them are failing. So um, the only way to truly assess this is with a CBCT scan. It's not with a traditional x-ray. And so if you are suffering from a lot of autoimmune diseases, chronic fatigue, gut dysbiosis, and you're working with your providers and you just can't get to the, to the optimal levels, to the optimal health that you want to, I really encourage someone to look in your mouth. And if you have root canals, if you have fillings, if you have metals in the mouth, to really explore those as well. I have so many questions for you, but we are out of time. And so <laughs> I really, we could do a second podcast on all of this. I'm on, in. Let's on, do it. Let's do it on all the different health issues related to teeth. That would be a really good podcast. Yeah, I'd love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know my listeners have really enjoyed learning from you. Tell my listeners where they can find you. Yes, absolutely. So if you are looking for a functional pediatric dentist, we see patients from all over the country and even other countries. Um, I met in Portland, Oregon at NOPO Kids Dentistry. That stands for North Portland. It's N-O-P-O -O, Kids Dentistry. Um, I realize that's not always attainable. So follow along for education so I can support you from afar. And you can find me at Dr. Stacy on Instagram. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-S-T-A-C-I. And I'm also dabbling with TikTok right now. So bear with me through that. <laughs> and I have a website too, drstacy.com, um, where I actually have a free product guide there right now. So all the things I spoke about, all my favorite supplements, my oral healthcare products, my favorite foods, books, all of these things, I've made a free product guide for you that you can get at drstacy.com. Um, and there's some discount codes associated with that. And also I am working on a course series too. <clears throat> so I'm going to be doing more free webinars and masterclasses, but, and, and then full functional pediatric dentistry courses for, for busy parents too. So stay tuned for that, that you'll probably see that on my website. Oh, that's amazing. And if you're listening, she is a really fun follow. Like I said previously, <laughs> I've learned a lot from you and I appreciate all the information that you put out there. Thank and you, Carlin. And so I always end my podcast by asking my guests what they have found to be the best ingredient in life. What would you say it is? I love this question. There's so many to choose from because life is just a potpourri of ingredients. But I would say um, it's being learning to be present 
but also taking a moment every once in a while to pause and reflect and reassess. And to me, what's most important in my life is to always uh, be curious and to always ask questions and to always be open-minded and learning. I consider myself a perpetual student. And so I encourage everyone to, to do the same because things are always changing and science is always changing and life is always changing. So those are my favorites. I absolutely love all of those. It's so important to pause, to rest, to be curious. Like you said, I wouldn't be where I am today without being curious. You know, yes. it was like what it helps me on my mental health journey. And so you have to be curious to educate yourself, to empower yourself. So yes. Thank you so much for those tips. And thank you thank again you. for being here, taking the time to educate the listeners. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for this. It was super fun. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to subscribe to the Just Ingredients podcast to learn more about your health and good ingredients to life. Plus, get daily tips at just.ingredients on Instagram. 